Creating your own reality. Is it possible for me? I am Jennifer K. Hill, the Consciousness Architect, and I am here to tell you that it's not only possible, it's closer than you might think. Welcome to the show. Hello, friends, and welcome back for another episode of Regarding Consciousness. I am Jennifer K. Hill, your host of Regarding Consciousness and CEO of OptiMatch. As always, I am so grateful for all of the incredible wisdom keepers, evolutionary leaders, thought leaders, scientists, and experts who join us from around the world. And today we are bringing you a very special guest who I recently had the pleasure of connecting with, Asha Love. Asha Love is a founder of Multidimensional You, acknowledged with the 2021 Excellence in Education Award and featured in Luminary Leadership as well as a best-selling author. She guides visionaries out of a divine discontent through the inner journey to greater purpose. Utilizing metaphysical abilities, she crafts transformative programs, fostering growth and healing. She also conducts global field work, helping to strengthen evolutionary pathways to advance human civilization to greater unity. That is no small feat, Asha. Thank you so much for being here today. And I don't even know where to start to talk to you. It's incredible. What a journey that you have of helping visionaries to rediscover their purpose. Most people think visionaries already have their purpose. First of all, let me just say thank you so much for having me and uh, Happy New Year. What a great way to kick everything off in 2024. Um, yeah, it's been an, an interesting 15 years for me. I came out of a pretty classic conventional upbringing until it wasn't. <laughs> until I think my original ebook I wrote was It Chronicles It Pretty Well, How Mommy Got Her Magic Back in the lingo of explaining it to my five-year-old then. How do you explain metaphysical awakening to a five-year-old, right? And it really began with the initial illness of my father. And then I was told he would be leaving. It was a knowing, it was a transmission. And then my midwifing him out, helping him to cr cross over transition the incredible experience I had when he did transition, I saw an entire movie reel of our entire shared lifetime of memories together. I didn't even know that was a thing. I subsequently learned shared NDEs, near-death experiences are very much a thing. And then he was out. I should say the afternoon that he transitioned, he departed. His childhood friend who had crossed over six months before him, I could perceive him in the room. I knew Gary was there, so I just intuitively knew that he was there for my dad. And then, you know, and then I had to go through all the normal grieving process. But simultaneous to that, my dad kept showing up. And then other things started to happen. And it was like the doors to this larger multidimensional reality kicked open. So that's like my origin story, if you will, <laughs> for, for the awakening that has taken on so many different iterations since then. And now here we are in 2024. And years ago, we were playing at the edges of a lot of this conversation, but it feels like the needle has really moved. So I spent a, a year in 2022, 23 on the side of a mountain in North Carolina, just in total retreat. I was told to let go of everything. And I've been joking that I came back down off this mountain and I'm like, when did all of this move this fast? Like the conversations that are happening now and at the level, not feeling like it has to be fringe, but becoming much more bridged and mainstream. And that's absolutely my mandate in this lifetime is to help bridge all of this and just position multidimensional reality is really just the next frontier in human evolution. It's the next logical step. It's a greater remembering. And we can talk about in terms of just really advanced technology, 
we can go the transhumanist route, right, of cyborg. And that's an interesting and there's no judgment, right? But we really do have some inner technology. And that's uh, a lot of what I've been teaching over the last decade and a half is how to network, tap the the vast inner network of your multidimensional self. Let's talk for a moment about what is multidimensional. I know we have everybody on this show, ranging from top neuroscientists to thought leaders like yourself. For some people who might not be familiar with what you mean when you say multidimensional self or multidimensions, can you elaborate on that a bit? Yeah, let's uh, take it out of the esoteric into, uh, into an example. So most people have had someone that they care about uh, leave the physical die, the de- the body dies. And a lot of people have had what they feel like is an experience of their presence, whether in the dream state or just a feeling, maybe the lights flicker, a song plays, a synchronicity, a sign, something like that. So where did they go? And that was one of the original questions I remember asking at 19 when my own grandfather, trans- like I-, I say transition, but died. And I remember thinking, where did he go? And that was about it. I did. I wasn't going into a deep philosophical exploration at, at 19 about it. The way to, to posit this is, so let's talk about the ability to read information from other dimensions by, via the pineal gland. Mm-hmm. It has rods and cones and receptors, just like the physical eyes do, but it's processing information from higher frequencies, right? Particle rotation and angular rotation of spin, electron spin, determines where something appears visible. In our reality, I'm mainly speaking in 3D, where what has been very normalized for, I got to qualify all this, right? It's like the average human of like average age of 45, let's say. So for, I can't speak, younger generations are already being exposed to so much more. So for those of us who grew up in that environment, um, we're used to using the instrumentation of our physical eyes. The idea that we could process from other dimensions, literally like almost, again, these are constructs, bands of frequency. This is where grandma and grandpa are, right? It's a return to spirit, their spirit body. They're not gone. They're just back in a spirit form and in a higher range of frequency. Now, we can do that while we're embodied, and many of us are. And so that's why many people are beginning to have what they would call paranormal metaphysical experiences it's really just that they're rejoining a larger, more comprehensive set of vibrational frequencies. So it, it comes down to, I just always say it, it's, it's just physics. <laughs> it's multidimensional physics based on the range of electron spin, but also it's the angular rotation. Like I'm getting, I'm a channel too. So sometimes I get interrupted to get more information and they're just saying really emphasize that it's the angular rotation. So that's why it's like we can coexist and there could be other life here and we don't see it because it's literally like around the corner. And anyone who studies teleportation and wormhole theory and all of that, it's like, how do you get from point A to B? You're folding the fabric of reality. So it's in in that zone. And then I just go right into, we are incredible multidimensional beings. And when we start to tap that structure, that inner structure, life can get pretty interesting and abilities can evolve not through a linear process that we're used to here, go to school and learn and acquire knowledge, but it's instantaneous knowledge sharing via another aspect that you're sharing your multidimensional structure with. And I can give you examples of that if, if, yeah, if you I would love to hear them. Okay. The metaphor that was shown to me when I was first given all this information is the old typewriter, the old typewriter with the ball like that would come out. And so like A, B, C, J, K. 
they're all those letters share the same, they're part of the same structure. They're just individual characters. So that's a really great metaphor for what our multidimensional self is like, is it's got all of these different aspects that are in different dimensions, in different star systems, various levels of form. And when you start to reconnect and tap that vast inner network, for those aspects that are uh, available and interested, all of their abilities and knowledge, to the extent I'm being told right now, to the extent to which you can import that into this operating system in this vessel, and it can handle it, uh, almost like power surge, you got to be careful, you can't just bring anything in. And it it has an appropriate application for the physical realm in which you are, can be brought in. So this is how I quantum leaped or evolved my healing abilities, my telepathic abilities, shamanic abilities. And I didn't have to go through a rigorous course of study in this lifetime to do it. Hmm. Yeah, it's when you describe this, Asha, how it occurs for me is a friend who we've had on the show before a couple of times, uh, Don Hoffman, who wrote the book, The Case Against Reality, Why Evolution Put the Truth from Our Eyes. He's referenced in a couple of the more recent episodes that we did that there's a mathematical formula that he wrote that is of conscious agents. And I love the way he explains it because it really does account for, from a physics standpoint, and also from a psycho-spiritual standpoint, what we're experiencing, like the loss of a loved one. And he says that you have these things that are considered conscious agents. Now, some of these conscious agents are projected into the theater that we know as space-time, which is giving you and I this experience here on Zoom today as we record. However, a good portion of conscious agents are not projected into space-time. So the way I like to think of it then is that we're all coming from one consciousness, as Don would explain it, or many other wonderful wisdom keepers have shared. Consciousness wants to experience itself as every possible experience, as every possible facet, every color, every shape, every perspective. And so that's why we then incarnate perhaps and have the human experience that's then us conscious agents projected into space-time. However, for example, when a conscious agent is no longer projected into space-time, like a dear friend of mine, Mark, who recently passed, or our grandparents or friends or whomever, it doesn't mean that the conscious agent no longer exists. It just means it's no longer visible in space-time. Does that align with what you're thinking? Absolutely. Absolutely makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then it just goes a little step further. I, I was brought through this, fortunately, in stages. They didn't. I just didn't get a big data dump. I think I would probably not have been able to get off the floor if that had happened, right? So vacations, I get, I often will get awakened very early and then I get a data stream and I'm showing a lot of stuff. And so in 2016, I was on the backside of the Grand Tetons at getting one of these like five day, here we go. You're going to start to remember all this. And I was shown this beautiful sacred geometry. It was like, but it was alive. It looked very much alive, like a plasma being. And I was taken on this tour of the 11 other human beings right now that sh currently share my oversoul. And one of them is a very evolved human. He's in, he's an ascetic in the Himalayas. And I've done, I've gone on to do a lot of collaborations with him. And that's like at the local level, what we're talking about is we all share reality is organized. Living creation is organized in some pretty advanced geometric constructs. And so you can move up into these different levels of being. I think that's what the Buddha was doing. Like he had gone into just this next level. So oversoul, maybe monadic level. And then every aspect in any system that shares that structure. So in this case, it was just local on the planet, but then it goes well beyond that. 
you're now able to do inner tech transfer from those systems. And I think it just seems like there are a lot of big brother, big sister programs working towards helping planet Earth and humanity move out of so much conflict and polarity into greater unity and really evolve past the kind of civilization that we've been in. So that would be the why. It's cool and fun and it's pretty amazing and could tell you all sorts of amazing healing stories and all of that that you may not be able to replicate in clinical trials because you're going beyond that paradigm, right? But the big why is because as a collective, this planet is ready to move out of what I would joke has been the dark ages of conflict and war and literally killing each other, which I think many of us are in this state of really, we're still doing this today. It could be so much worse, right? We could be full blown World War III. So that to me says we really, we have evolved and we are advancing this but we do have a ways to go. So I that's what I'm seeing is instead of just some interesting exploration, myself included, many people I work with are being tapped. It's you came in here with a very specific set of intentions. And I think we all know it's very easy to get bogged down in conditioning and the fear of judgment. If you're too in the outlier place, fear of rejection. So people get bogged down and then it's like, the soul's intentions and plan starts to kick in to say, hey, you got something else here. There's a whole nother level to go to. I know you do a lot of your work, Asha, around that in your book and in your speaking and everything that you're doing with the clients you work with. If somebody is tuning in right now and they're feeling that they're at a precipice, they're at this crux in their life where they're feeling a longing for something more, how do they then rediscover what their soul has been tapped for? Yeah, I think the answer that's coming in right now is is not what I would have expected, which is like, oh, the inner journey and all this cool stuff. It's the first step and the most powerful step and the most leveraged step is to do shadow work. Mm. Because the shadow, so the shadow, Carl Jung coined the phrase, all of the pieces and parts that we have basically taken over the rejection of, and we've internalized self-rejection, self-criticism, self-judgment. And it functions as like I'm being shown the bridle bit for a horse, like a harness and the halter. It really holds us in a constriction and a contracted expression and, and frankly, a distorted expression of who we actually are. And so it's sourcing all of those shadow elements so that we can start to move out in the world with much less posturing, facades, masks, which is all just self-preservation and protection. And it's a trauma response. And so that's what I'm being shown now is like addressing the shadow, integrating the shadow frees you, liberates you to be who you were all along. And it's a much easier process, much more difficult to try to, for seers, we can see someone's plan and at least the next few steps but I've often had the experience where it gets outright rejected by the ego personality construct who has not yet done any shadow work to be able to receive that. And, oh, thanks. I'm not buying what you're selling, lady. Right. <laughs> it's so funny you say that there was something that was around the ego that was, oh, so a friend of mine, Gio, and I were doing a call yesterday and I, he was quoting Sun Tzu's The Art of War and a guy named Jocko, who I guess he studies with. And the principle is never attack a heavily defended a position. 
and the ego is always a heavily defended position. And I was like, ooh, I'm writing that one down. That's so true. That has been my lived experience. And there's a lot of compassion there because the fortification exists because it's a trauma response. And often it doesn't come out until well into the process because even the person will have forgotten, we will have forgotten injuries and persecution and judgment we have faced for being our most authentic self often happens very early in life, but even early on in a career. And there goes the turtle and in the shell. And how do you do things here? I'll try to keep it as normal as possible. But then what happens is the soul starts knocking. It starts a gentle whisper. Then it becomes a loud conversation, a shout, and then the sledgehammer starts coming for you. Like you just won't get to live life the same old way is what I've experienced. And I've seen so many other people. So that's the calling card of I think the inner call is like, hey, you, this is not, you're going to get to your life review and go, what did I, what was I doing? What was I thinking? I think I have a lot of those experiences because I was very clear that I would not be doing that in my life review this time, <laughs> whatever it takes. I will say this, there's been an interesting experience this year where I've noticed kind of a gender split where the men that spirit has sent to me are having a really hard time crossing that threshold. And the women are able to do it. And the, my theory on this, maybe you have a different insight, is that if you chose to be a man in this lifetime, the current constructs that we grew up under do not lend themselves towards men being in touch with their emotional body. And the emotional body is the feeling center. And that's where your intuition can best reach you. And so a lot of that was denied, rejected, shut down. And that's just been an interesting thing I've noticed that it's almost like the one way to think about how shadow prevents us from being our most authentic intended expression of what we came here for and usually in service to humanity, right? Trying to improve the human condition in some way is it functions as a trap. And so without even realizing it, we end up being trapped by this ego, as you, you quoted, heavily fortified position. <laughs> Yeah. So let's again, go. compassion, preservation. Let's go uh, back. I want to circle back because I like to hear, I like to tap into what our audience, our listeners and viewers are asking in their minds right now. And people are saying, hold on, go back to the shadow self. I'm not sure I fully understand that. Can you elaborate a little bit more of maybe perhaps some examples of what the shadow self is and two, how we might be able to identify our own shadow and thus move through it and pass this egoic barrier? Yeah, that's a great question. Absolutely. The one I'm being given right now is posturing. So let's, let me just demonstrate it. Let me demonstrate what posturing is. Okay. So listen up, everyone. This is how we do this. And this is what's going to happen today. And this is how this is going to go versus drop the facade, drop the posturing, drop authoritarian all the way. I watch adults do it. And just, I'm just going to speak from the heart in my center and within my truth. And these are really different ways to communicate from. And we use the term authentic, inauthentic. But what we're, what I'm being shown, if you want to talk multidimensional physics, is that you're presenting just a, a small percentage of yourself to the world while the whole rest of it is being hidden, protected, held back. And then you're not vulnerable and you're not in a position of true power because you're not really in your most authentic, your truest voice. So real conversations aren't actually happening 
Mm. It's almost like everyone has a puppet and they're doing a puppet show together. (laughs) Wasn't it Plato who uh, talked about the shadows on the wall? Am I getting this wrong? Where it was like you didn't know what was actually happening. Was it the shadow on the wall that was reality or was it the puppet itself? What is reality? It's a bigger question. Yeah, that's it. And so many of us learn to be in some sort of construct or constructed personality that was acceptable Mm. to those around us. And that's what I find still is one of the biggest challenges because it takes the most courage to do that for a time until it doesn't. And then you can't not be there because that's who you that's who you are. And you just won't be censored. You won't closet yourself anymore because you've tasted the freedom and you're not going back. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's about baby steps. It's funny. I was sharing this with a dear friend yesterday about what my sister taught me. My sister and her husband are both animal trainers And something my sister taught me is small approximations. So my friend had on her list of to-dos every day, like we have these intentions we share with one another. And she said, I want to work out 30 minutes a day. And I was like, girl, you are not going to work out 30 minutes a day. You're never going to achieve that goal because it just, it was on her list for a while and it wasn't getting done. I said, you do what my sister would call small approximations. You do three minutes a day and then you reward yourself. And you're like, yes, you did amazing, great job. And then maybe work your way up to four or five minutes. And I would say the same thing with uh, shadow work that we're talking about right now. You can't expect to slay the beast. You can't expect to slay the dragon that has been there, that you've been wearing this dragon costume that is you your whole life. It's a small approximations. Well, what if I revealed a little bit of myself with this person and, oh, okay, I can breathe. We just had another guest on who we were talking about this with Dr. Dave Rabin, where we were talking about trauma, just as you're sharing and how trauma prevents intimacy and prevents us from authentically being ourselves. So if it were me, just what I'm channeling and hearing right now is if we could give ourselves these small approximations, these little moments of wins of, okay, it might feel dangerous and I might feel like I'm about to be eaten by a tiger right now, but I'm going to authentically share in this moment. And if I don't authentically share, then maybe tell one on myself and say, listen, I really wanted to come across authentic right now, but my fear of looking good got in the way. And I noticed I'm masking. Can I actually be really straight with you about what I'm feeling? And it's just these little micro moments, I'm going to call them, then give us access to the macro moments that allow our unfolding of our soul. Beautifully stated. And the process of unmasking the mask or presencing that is one of the most powerful tools. I just did a video on this. It's like, how do we give a reality hack to the next generation, it's to role model and demonstrate, hey, I'm going to out myself here. That is so uncommon still. Hopefully in 20 years, it's would be super normalized. But that gives everyone in the room permission to look for hidden motives that they didn't realize were there. And that's really just it. It's like we end up getting hijacked, imprisoned and trapped, run by this construct in ways that almost don't feel consensual when you really pull out of it. Like the book that just came out last fall is really just based on years of channeling spirit guides and watching them say the same thing in different ways to different people. And a lot of it has to start with the foundation has to start with some form of mindfulness practice. Because if you don't have the ability to watch yourself or have the curious, compassionate witness, you can't gather data, you can't gather information. And I'm even feeling the need to say a disclaimer. And even with the compassionate, mindful witness, whoa, 
shadow is so sneaky. The shadiest of shadow is so slippery. That's why I've had mentors who've helped me with it. It's rarely done on our own. I think therapists are really helping people source us now for two aims. One is the evolution of the species, quite frankly, so that we can become a much more intuitive and unified civilization worldwide, not just nation states. But two, also, I feel like this is a PSA because it's like there are beings who came here with incredible amounts of what we might call love. And I don't use that term in just a trite way. It really has the capacity to break up density and distortion like you wouldn't believe, but it has to be put into motion. And I actually have another example of shadow for you. So one of these beings that I came into contact with, for most of his life, he's been in a very high-functioning embodiment, very appreciated, admired, teaching, coaching, mentoring, but still in a construct. And there was a moment where I was shown a glimpse of who he actually is. And he let it out. And I remember almost it almost felt like my hair blew back because the light coming from him and frankly, the love. And especially for men and in this culture, like love, what? You're not, you haven't been allowed to express that. I'm going back to the 1980s thinking, whoo, that was not a conversation being had. <laughs> and so then it was almost like the sun came out, but then it went behind a cloud. And I, I realized in that moment, that's what so many of us are here to do is really take off all the limiters on that light. So you want to talk physics, that has the capacity to shift all sorts of negative programs and literally change the room. So I play a lot with setting up rooms, um, shifting spaces. I do a lot of planetary work. So I work with energy lines and entire regions. And so I, I'm always looking at the most leveraged solution. Sure, I could go around and clear everyone individually, but what what happens when we clear an entire region or the entire European grids, for example? Now that gets pretty interesting. Now, I will say the, they're saying this is a perfect segue. I'm like, I love how you put it all together. Because as beings like me are going around the planet doing that kind of work, it's almost like increasing broadband. The shadow will ha will be purged. So people are having to deal with this, whether they want to or not. It's becoming not really an option anymore <laughs> on your staycation. It's uh it's just it just is. So that's good for people to know too. So you can embrace why is this all coming up? Why am I so uncomfortable? You can blame me and then thank me later. <laughs> right. Those of us going around and almost doing power surges and bringing the grids up into higher frequencies. It's going to purge everything that you're sitting on that's dense and especially shame, I would say, and all the ancestral trauma. But then it's the shame is the stuff that really keeps everything under those thick, heavy blankets. It makes me think of that old adage, what you resist persists, which then leads me to remember, I believe it's Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, which some of you may have heard me mention before. One of my favorite things that I learned from that book was an idea that Victor was a proponent of and created called paradoxical thinking. Did you hear of this at all, Asha? I don't think so, no. So I love it because when you're talking about this resistance, what you resist will persist. And this idea that globally we're going through this resistance of unmasking and unwilling to allow ourselves to be authentic, allow ourselves to stand fully in who we are. And in Victor's book, he shares this idea where he has a patient, he's a psychotherapist, 
who has a fear of sweating, right? In public. So he tells his patient, okay, next time you go out in public, I want you, instead of saying, don't let me sweat, don't let me sweat. He said, I want you to think, I hope I sweat so much that people have to follow me around with a mop in a bucket. And I hope that there's a river of sweat following me wherever I walk. And his client then went out and the sweat stopped. So I say that because I use that often when it comes to insomnia. I'll say, I hope I never sleep again. I hope I stay awake for the next three weeks. And oftentimes, nine times out of 10, I'll fall right back asleep. And I share this because what if we could apply that same paradoxical thinking to the evolution that's happening on the planet? Show me 10 times more of my shadow instead of resisting the shadow. Be like, I hope I see 100 times more of my shadow today. And then you're dropping the resistance and then that allows the shadow to come forth and be transformed rather than hiding in the shame corners. That's beautiful. I love that as a tool and a tip. It's powerful when you set that intention to, okay, I know it might be painful because there's going to be shame. I might be embarrassed. I'll be like, I can't believe I acted that way. But that's all a choice too. We don't have to beat up on ourselves. To just set the intention, I would like to see more of my shadow. I'm ready. Go ahead. Let's bring it. Right. Bring it on. And yeah, because the alternative, here's spirit guide humor. You could do this the easy way or the hard way. It's up to you. If you want to keep in resistance, you're going to be on your knees. <laughs> and it's like the analogy I use, you were mentioning this earlier, of the universe will lightly whisper in your ear. It'll be like, Asha, there's something you need to work on. And you're like, oh, I have a lot of things. I have wine with girlfriends tonight. I have a trip coming up. And then it's, Asha, hi, I'm at the front door. I, I need your help over here. There's something really important I need to talk to you about you know what? I have a vacation with my kids right now. I can't. I, I appreciate it later. And then all of a sudden, if I could, I'd whack my computer off the desk. I'd be like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Like the whole house just got blown down and you're just standing going, what happened? <laughs> in retrospect, that's the beauty of it is you can look back and you do not want to be the person who sees in retrospect. You want to be the person who can see futuristically and prophetically. Oh, they want me to work on slowing down. Oh, they want me to work on self-love. I got it. Rather than waiting, and unfortunately, it's terrible to say this, but it can come in the form of a horrible illness, loss. Often it, does. It becomes less and less subtle. Like you said earlier, Asha, it becomes like a sledgehammer to the side of the head, metaphorically yeah. or physiologically in some cases. And so yeah. the invitation to each of you is begin your transformation work yourself. Don't wait for the sledgehammer to be the domino effect that causes it to happen. Allow yourself to, I, I was just shown a trust fall. Remember like those things where you just fall backwards? Allow yourself to trust fall and surrender into who you're becoming and destined to be. And I, I just so deeply love, Asha, everything you've been sharing today. Are there any closing thoughts or anything that you would love to share with people today? Yeah, let me just tap into the field here and see. Oh, just so again, is something really practical? Fear. Love is our birthright, not fear. I was given that message five years ago to bring humanity wants to remember this for itself. Love is my birthright, not fear. So when you're in fear, you're not in your greater intelligence. And I know what they're doing. They're appealing to the ego. So you may think you're really intelligent. Let me tell you, when you start to activate at the multidimensional level, you're unlocking intelligences you can barely imagine. It's really this invitation to say, we've barely cracked what this baby's capable of, this human form. 
and to let that ignite curiosity and excitement. And I think I'll just wrap up by outing my own shadow over the years. I feel like I've come in and out of various levels of the spiritual closet. It's that whole wanting to belong. And it's if you really just adopt a mindset of being a curious adventurer and explorer in the ways that if Van Leeuwenhoek, who invented the microscope, hadn't done, and he listened to everyone mocking him for seeing wee little beasties that they couldn't see, right? And now the the microscope underpins, the microbiome underpins our entire modern healthcare system in the same way that I think we've entered a healing renaissance. And this, the the multidimensional modalities will will displace and replace a lot of the mechanistic healing tools and techniques that we've used and civilization is changing. But who's going to do that? Are, so I guess that's the question that I'm leaving everyone with is, are you willing to be the pioneer, the visionary that takes courage to go against the established status quo and push the envelope? And uh, between you and me, it's so worth it. <laughs> it is. There is magic and there are miracles waiting around every corner. And it just takes our willingness, just like a horse at the race that has its blinders on. And all we can do is look straight ahead. You have the opportunity right now in your life to remove the blinders, remove the bridle, and allow yourself to live unbridled and able to see the full spectrum of what's available. Asha, where can people connect with you if they'd like to do so? You can find me on my website, of course, multidimensional and the letter u.com. I have a YouTube channel as well. Same thing, multidimensional you. And LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. Beautiful. Thank you so much to Asha Love for joining us today for another episode of Regarding Consciousness. It is so much fun to get to play in the ether with people like Asha and all of our incredible guests who have been joining us on this show. And we invite you, please do feel free to share this, like it, comment on it. We love to hear your feedback. If there are other guests you'd love us to interview, feel free to put it in the comments on YouTube at Jennifer K. Hill. You can find all the episodes there. And we are so deeply grateful for your listening, your time and may it lead to your transformation. Thank you.